section eighty nine of italy france spain and portugal this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the world story volume five italy france spain and portugal edited by eva march tappan section eighty nine the white flag of sedan eighteen seventy by emile zola tears and the liberals opposed the war with prussia but the bonapartists were wildly enthusiastic about it and the glory it would surely bring to their country they made small preparation for war but declared themselves ready to the last gaiter button as a matter of fact france was as unprepared for war as a country could be the emperor was no commander and was only in the way the french invaded germany but were driven back by the germans and pursued into france after the disastrous battle of gravelotte the french were forced to retreat to metz while the siege of this place was going on the other french forces were brought together at sedan here the french fought brilliantly but the army was surrounded and napoleon the third was obliged to deliver up his sword to william the first the news of this catastrophe made its way to paris and a republic was instantly proclaimed half of the french army was destroyed and the other half was shut up in metz the war resolved itself into a struggle for paris and after a brave defence an armistice was announced four months later terms of peace were agreed to Della Hirsch was a prosperous manufacturer of sedan the editor delahirsch then went off explaining that he should speedily return with positive information as soon as he was in the rue maqua he was surprised at the number of soldiers who were already returning from the field without their weapons and with their uniforms in shreds soiled with dust he could not however obtain any precise details from those whom he endeavoured to question some who were quite stupefied replied that they didn't know whilst others had such a deal to relate and gesticulated so furiously and talked so extravagantly that they resembled madmen he therefore directed his steps once more towards the sub-prefecture thinking to himself that all the news must flow thither as he was crossing the place du collège a couple of guns doubtless the only remaining pieces of some battery came up at a gallop and stranded beside the footway on reaching the high street he had to acknowledge that the town was becoming quite crowded with fugitives three dismounted hussars were sitting in a doorway dividing a loaf of bread two others were slowly leading their horses by the bridle at a loss for a stable where they might tether them officers too were running wildly hither and thither looking as if they did not know where they were going on the place touraine a sub-lieutenant advised Della Hirsch not to linger there for the shells were falling very frequently a splinter of one of them having just broken the railing around the statue of the great captain the victor of the palatinate and as delahirsch was swiftly gliding along the rue de la sous prefecture he saw a couple of projectiles explode with a frightful crash on the bridge spanning the meuse reaching the sub-prefecture he was standing in front of the porter's lodge seeking a pretext to ask for one of the aides-de-camp and question him when a youthful voice called him by name monsieur delahirsch come in quick it's anything but pleasant outside the speaker was rose his work-girl whom he had not thought of thanks to her however every door would be open to him he entered the lodge and accepted a seat 
just fancy began rose all this business has made mother quite ill she's in bed and can't get up so there's only me you see for father is at the citadel being a national guard a little while ago the emperor again wanted to show his bravery for he went out again and was able to get to the end of the street as far as the bridge but then a shell fell in front of him and the horse of one of his equerries was killed and so he came back again not surprising is it what would you have him do then you know how we are situated what do the officers say she gave him a little look of astonishment amid all these abominations but little of which she understood she bustled about assiduously retaining her gay freshness with her fine hair and her clear eyes the eyes of the child she was no i know nothing she said at twelve o'clock i took up a letter for marshal mac mahon the emperor was with him they remained shut up together for nearly an hour the marshal in bed and the emperor on a chair close to the mattress i know that because i saw them when the door was open what were they saying she again looked at him and could not help laughing why i don't know she answered how could i know nobody in the world knows what they said to one another that was true and della hirsch made a gesture as though to apologize for his foolish question still the idea of that supreme conversation worried him how interesting it must have been what decision could they have come to and now added rose the emperor has gone back into his private room where he's conferring with two generals who arrived just now from the battlefield she paused and glanced towards the house steps look here comes one of the generals and look here's the other della hirsch hastily stepped out of the lodge and recognized generals douay and de croix whose horses were waiting he watched them get into the saddle again and gallop off after the abandonment of the plateau of Illy, each on his own side had hastened into the town to warn the emperor that the battle was lost they furnished him with precise details of the situation the army and sedan were now completely enveloped and the disaster would prove frightful for a few minutes the emperor walked up and down his room in silence with the wavering step of a sick man the only person there besides himself was an aide-de-camp standing erect and silent near a door and with a disfigured face which was now twitching with a nervous tick napoleon kept pacing to and fro between the chimney-piece and the window his back appeared to have become more bent as though a world had fallen upon it and his dim eyes veiled by their heavy lids bespoke the resignation of the fatalist who has played and lost his final game with destiny each time however that he reached the window set ajar he gave a start which for a second made him pause and during one of those brief halts he raised a trembling hand and muttered oh those guns those guns one has heard them ever since the morning from that spot indeed the roaring of the batteries of the marfee and frenois hills reached the ear with extraordinary violence it was a rolling thunder which not merely rattled the window-panes but shook the very walls a stubborn incessant exasperating uproar and the emperor must have reflected that the struggle was henceforth a hopeless one that all resistance was becoming a crime what could it avail why should more blood be spilt more limbs be shattered more heads be carried off more and more dead be ever and ever added to those already scattered across the countryside since they the french were vanquished since it was all over why continue the massacre any longer sufficient abomination and suffering already cried out aloud under the sun once more did the emperor reach the window and again he began to tremble with his hands raised oh those guns those guns will they never stop perhaps the terrible thought of his responsibility was arising within him with the vision of the thousands of bleeding corpses stretched upon the ground over yonder through his fault perhaps though it was but the melting of his heart the pitiful heart of a dreamer 
of a man in reality good-natured and haunted by humanitarian notions and albeit fate had dealt him this frightful blow which was crushing and sweeping away his fortune as though it were but a bit of straw he yet found tears for others was distracted that this useless butchery should still continue and lacked the strength to endure it any longer that villainous cannonade was now rending his breast at each moment increasing his agony oh those guns those guns make them stop firing at once at once and then this emperor who having confided his powers to the empress regent who no longer had any throne this generalissimo who since he had surrendered the supreme command to marshal bazin no longer commanded awoke once more to the exercise of his power to the irresistible needment of being the master for the last time since his stay at chalons he had kept in the background had not given an order content in his resignation to become nothing more than a nameless and cumbersome inutility a troublesome parcel carried along among the baggage train of the troops and it was only in the hour of defeat that the emperor again awoke within him the first the only order that he was yet to give in the scared compassion of his heart was to hoist the white flag upon the citadel to beg a truce oh those guns those guns take a sheet a tablecloth no matter what run quickly tell them to stop those guns the aide-de-camp hastily left the room and the emperor continued his wavering march from the chimney-piece to the window whilst the batteries kept on thundering shaking the house from top to bottom Delahirsch was still talking with rose when a sergeant on duty at the sub-prefecture ran into the lodge mademoiselle said he we can't find anything i can't see a servant anywhere do you happen to have any linen a piece of white linen will a napkin do no no that wouldn't be large enough half a sheet would do rose ever obliging had already darted to the wardrobe i haven't any half sheets said she a large piece of white linen no i don't see anything that would suit you oh would you like a tablecloth a tablecloth nothing could be better that's exactly what we want and as he turned to go he added we are going to make a white flag of it and hoist it on the citadel to ask for peace much obliged mademoiselle delahirsch gave a start of involuntary delight at last then they were going to have quietness it occurred to him however that his joy was unpatriotic and he restrained it nevertheless his lightened heart beat quickly and he eagerly watched a colonel and a captain who followed by the sergeant were now coming out of the sub-prefecture with hasty steps the colonel was carrying the tablecloth rolled up under his arm it occurred to delahirsch to follow them and he took leave of rose who was quite proud of having provided that cloth just then it struck two o'clock the cannonade seemed to have become still more violent whilst the captain was dying a second shell had fallen in the garden cutting down one of the centenarian trees moreover a conflagration of considerable magnitude had broken out in the faubourg of la cassine and some terror-stricken people cried out that all sedan was burning it would be the end of everything if this bombardment were to continue for any length of time with such fearful violence it is incomprehensible i am going back exclaimed delahirsch at last quite beside himself where to asked baroche why to the sub-prefecture to ascertain whether the emperor is playing the fool with us when he talks of hoisting the white flag for a few seconds the major remained dumbfounded by this idea of the white flag defeat and capitulation which broke upon him amid his powerlessness to save the poor mangled fellows who were being brought to him in such numbers he made a gesture of furious despair well go to the devil he shouted we are none the less done for once outside delahirsch experienced far greater difficulty than before in making his way through the groups of people which were now much larger the streets were every minute filling with the stream of disbanded soldiers 
he questioned several of the officers he met but none of them had seen the white flag upon the citadel at last however a colonel declared that he had espied it there for an instant it had been taken down almost as soon as hoisted that seemed to explain everything either the germans had not perceived it or else seeing it appear and disappear they had realized that the last agony was at hand and had thereupon redoubled their fire indeed a story was already circulating of a general who at sight of the flag had flown into a mad rage had rushed upon it and torn it down with his own hands breaking the staff and trampling the linen under foot and thus the prussian batteries were still firing the projectiles rained upon the roofs and the streets houses were burning and a woman had just had her head smashed at the corner of the place turenne on reaching the sub-prefecture delahirsch did not find rose in the lodge every door of the house was now open the rout was beginning he entered and went upstairs meeting only a few scared people none of whom inquired his business whilst he was hesitating on the first-floor landing he came upon the young girl oh monsieur delahirsch matters are getting much worse said she there make haste and look if you want to see the emperor a door at the left hand stood ajar and through the opening one could perceive napoleon the third who had resumed his wavering march from the chimney-piece to the window he tramped up and down without a pause despite his intolerable sufferings an aide-de-camp had just entered the room it was he who had carelessly left the door ajar and the emperor was heard asking in a voice enervated by wretchedness but why are they still firing monsieur when i have had the white flag hoisted still did he experience the same unbearable torment at sound of that cannonade which never ceased but on the contrary increased in violence every minute it struck him in the heart each time that he drew near to the window still more blood still more human lives destroyed through his fault each minute added more corpses to the pile to no purpose whatever and commiserative dreamer that he was his whole being revolted at the thought of this slaughter and a dozen times already he had put the same despairing question to those who entered the room but why are they still firing when i have had the white flag hoisted delahirsch did not manage to catch the muttered answer of the aide-de-camp besides the emperor had not paused in his walk faint though he felt each time that he reached the window he yielded to the needment of returning thither his pallor had increased his long-drawn mournful face but imperfectly cleansed of the paint with which it had been brightened that morning plainly told his agony at that moment a vivacious little man in a dusty uniform whom delahirsch recognized as general lebrun crossed the landing and pushed the door open without waiting to be announced and the emperor's anxious voice could immediately be distinguished once more asking but why general why are they still firing when i have had the white flag hoisted the aide-de-camp came out of the room and shut the door behind him so that delahirsch could not even hear the general's reply all was blank again ah repeated rose things are getting bad i can tell it by the gentlemen's faces it's like my tablecloth which i shall never see again some say it has been torn up after all it's the emperor whom i pity the most for he's in a worse state even than the marshal he would be far better in his bed than in that room where he's wearing himself out with walking she was quite affected and her pretty fair face expressed sincere compassion for which reason delahirsch whose bonapartist fervour had been sensibly cooling the last two days considered her rather foolish he lingered with her downstairs however whilst watching for general lebrun's departure and when the general came down he followed him general lebrun had explained to the emperor that if he desired to ask for an armistice a letter signed by the commander-in-chief of the french forces must be transmitted to the commander-in-chief of the german armies he had then offered to write the letter in question and to start in search of general de wampen by whom it should be signed and now he was carrying this letter away 
and his only fear was that he might be unable to find wumpton for he did not know on which part of the field he was the crush by this time had become so great that he was compelled to walk his horse through sedan thus enabling delahirsch to follow him as far as the menil gate once on the highway however general lebrun put his horse at a gallop and as he was approaching balan he was lucky enough to perceive general Wimthen. a few minutes previously the latter had written to the emperor sire come and place yourself at the head of your troops they will esteem it an honor to open you a passage through the enemy's lines accordingly at the first word of a truce he flew into a furious passion no no he would sign nothing he meant to fight it was then half-past three o'clock and shortly afterwards came the last onslaught that heroic despairing attempt to pierce through the bavarians by marching yet once more upon bazeilles to restore the spirits of the soldiers lies were circulated along the streets of sedan and across the surrounding fields bazin is coming up bazin is coming up was the cry it was a dream that many had indulged in since the morning thinking each time that the germans unmasked a fresh battery that the guns they heard were those of the army of metz some twelve hundred men were got together disbanded soldiers of all arms from every corps and all along the road swept by the enemy's projectiles the little column dashed with glorious gallantry at the double quick it was superb at first the men who fell did not arrest the dash of the others and some five hundred yards were covered with a perfect fury of courage but the ranks were speedily thinned and the bravest at last fell back what could be done indeed against such overwhelming numbers this effort was but the mad temerity of a commander who refused to be beaten and at last general de wampen found himself alone with general lebrun on that road to balan and bazaille which they finally had to abandon no course now remained but to retreat under the walls of sedan and now the formidable drama was drawing to a close from that wooded height of la marfee king william had just beheld the junction of his troops it was accomplished the third army under the orders of the crown prince his son which had proceeded by way of st mange and flaneau was taking possession of the plateau of illy whilst the fourth army commanded by the crown prince of saxony reached the meeting-place by way of Dagny and give on after turning the wood of la garenne thus the eleventh and fifth german corps joined hands with the twelfth corps and the prussian guard and the supreme effort made to break the circle at the very moment when it was closing up that useless but glorious charge of general marguerite's division had wrung an admiring exclamation from the king ah the brave fellows now the mathematical inexorable encompassment was completed the vice chops had met and at a glance the king could survey the immense wall of men and guns enveloping the vanquished army on the north the grasp pressed closer and closer home throwing the fugitives back into sedan under the redoubling fire of the batteries which fringed the horizon all around in an unbroken line on the south bazilla conquered empty and mournful was burning away throwing up whirling clouds of spark-laden smoke whilst the barbarians now masters of Boulogne, were levelling their guns at three hundred yards from the gates of sedan itself and the other batteries those on the left bank at montmorgui noyer foinois and wandalancourt which for nearly twelve hours had been firing without a pause were now thundering even yet more loudly completing the impassable belt of flames even under the king's feet somewhat tired however king william laid his field-glass aside for a moment and continued examining the scene without its help the sun was descending obliquely towards the woods sinking to rest in a sky of unspotted purity 
it gilded the whole vast stretch of country bathed it in so limpid a light that the smallest objects acquired remarkable distinctness the king could distinguish the houses of sedan with their little black window-bars the ramparts and the fortress all the complicated defensive works clearly and sharply outlined then all around scattered amid the fields were the villages fresh-coloured and shiny as with varnish like the farmhouses one finds in boxes of toys on the left was donchery at the edge of the level plain on the right was duzy and carignan in the meadows it seemed as though one could count the trees of the forest of the ardennes whose sea of verdure stretched away to the frontier in the crisp light the lazily winding muse looked like a river of pure gold and the fearful blood-smeared battle seen from this height under the sun's farewell rays became as it were a delicate piece of painting some corpses of cavalry soldiers and dead horses with their bellies ripped open scattered bright touches over the flat plateau of flowing towards the right in the direction of Givonne, the eye was amused by the scrambles of the retreat the vortex of running falling black specks whilst on the peninsula of Ige, on the left a bavarian battery whose guns looked no bigger than lucifer matches was served with such clockwork regularity that it seemed like some piece of mechanism carefully put together all this was victory victory surpassing hope overwhelming and the king felt no remorse whatever as he looked down upon all those tiny corpses those thousands of men occupying less space than the dust of the roads that immense valley where neither the conflagrations of Bazalia, the massacres of Ilyi, nor the anguish of sedan could prevent impassive nature from remaining beauteous in this the serene close of a lovely day all at once however della hirsch perceived a french general clad in a blue tunic and mounted on a black horse who was ascending the slopes of la marthe preceded by a hussar carrying a flag of truce it was general raya charged by the emperor to deliver this letter to the king of prussia sir my brother not having been able to die in the midst of my troops it only remains for me to place my sword in your majesty's hands i am your majesty's good brother napoleon in his eagerness to stop the slaughter since he was no longer the master the emperor delivered himself up hoping that he might thereby soften the victor and delahurst saw general raya who was unarmed and carried merely a riding-whip rein in his horse at ten paces from the king alight and then step forward and deliver the letter the sun was sinking in a far-spreading roseate glow the king seated himself on a chair rested his arm on the back of another one held by a secretary and replied that he accepted the sword pending the dispatch of an officer empowered to treat for the capitulation end of section eighty nine this recording is in the public domain